Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, she's living in L.A. with a guy named Ray. Say no more. Sure, I can find that number. This week on the Story Song Podcast. Everybody, welcome back to the Story Song Podcast. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. Every episode, we walk you through the wonderful world of a story song. And this week, we are concluding <laughs> our, our trilogy of songs that I like to call, I'm sorry, but the operator has better things to do. Uh, <laughs> these are these are songs where uh, the, 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 the protagonist uh, has got a lot of things to say to the operator. Yes. On the phone. Um, you guys, and, uh, Gladys is back. <laughs> Gladys is definitely She's back. back. Uh, and this time it's Operator, open parentheses, that's not the way it feels, close parentheses, uh, <laughs> by Mr. Jim Croce, back again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he was, showed up in our first run. Michael, you're our historian. Is this, is this our first? No, we did share twice. I remember that. Yep. Um, so rarely do, but, but I, it, we'll have to decide how to count this one, though. Because two episodes, mm. but three songs. Yeah, true. Last time we did Jim Croce, we did a double, a double bill of yeah uh, about his big bad guys. <laughs> about yeah. his big bad guys who were brought low. <laughs> they were uh, big bad guy songs. Um, yeah. So it, it, so third we song. Had a, we had a Jim Croce matinee him. and a Jim Croce evening. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but all right, so uh, Rachel, mm-hmm. why don't you quickest tell us? Tell us, wait, let me try that sentence again because I put the words out of order. Rachel, why don't you quickly tell us the story of the story song? Sure. Uh, So uh, Jim Croce is a man who's trying to work up the courage to call his ex and her new lover, who's also Mm -hmm. his old best friend, and he speaks to the operator for far too long about it. (laughs) And then he does not get the courage, get up the courage to call his ex and her new lover. Uh, who is mm. also his old best friend. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, he he's definitely pouring his heart out. Yes. Because it's not a transactional. He's not like, okay, so this is the address. <laughs> this is the no, number. He, he's he, really given, given the, the operator a lot of details. He has very uh, little information about that, <laughs> but much information about how he feels. Exactly. He's well, otherwise he wouldn't call the operator. Right. Right. Uh, listen, we'll get into it, but I still don't understand how operators really worked. 
I don't, yeah, we'll def- we could definitely talk about that. I just want to say, and this is not an insult to Jim Croce or the or the uh, protagonist of this song, uh, but the way he is uh, trying to get the information reminds me a lot of when I asked my three-year-old son, how was school today? And there's a lot of winding <laughs> through very specific details that are not related to any other part of the story that he's telling. So it's sort of a, it's sort of a three-year-old telling a story feeling yes. that's winding through this song. Let's just say that. Operator, oh, could you help me place this car? See the number on the matchbook is old and faded She's living in L.A. With my best old ex-friend, Ray Gosh, she said she knew well and sometimes hated There's some really nice uh, acoustic guitar oh, yeah. happening yeah. Uh, here. And I love a good, you can hear the finger sliding. I mean, I'm a simple man. Like <laughs> it, it, it gets me every time where I'm like, someone's actually playing that. Yeah. Like they're playing the guitar. You can hear their finger sliding on the strings. I love it. We'll get into um, it in in the in the backstory, but I, I I'm a huge I'm a huge Jim Croce fan, and I think he I think he's phenomenal. And yeah, that the beginnings of his songs that most almost all of them start with some sort of guitar part. They're yeah. always just pull you right in, and you're like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm already just I'm already there. Well, he also I'm along like, for the ride, Jim. <laughs> I mean, he also. Um... Again, we're going to talk about it in the back in the back uh, in the back half of the show. But uh, I imagine if he had lived, I would not have been surprised if maybe he had like later in his career done some acting, because he mm. just the way he uh, is is putting these lyrics out there. Yes. You just you immediately get it. You like from the first line. You're like, oh, this guy, he's seen some stuff. You can yeah. just tell oh, hold, from the way yeah. he's saying it. Hold on to that, Daniel. Okay. We'll, All right. we'll oh, maybe talk there's about something, that. Maybe there's something I don't know. All right. Yeah. So uh, the first line is, operator, well, could you help me place this call? See, the number on the matchbook is old and faded. Um, we can stop there because I want to ask you guys a question. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard, uh, I should say, I, I love this song. Uh, my parents were were Jim Croce, uh, Jim Croce people. Uh, I'd hear it a million times when I was a kid. I've heard it a million times more because I, I I agree with them. Um, there were many songs my parents played around the house that I did not like uh, <laughs> and and do not listen to to this day. Uh, but this is not one of them. I love Jim Croce. Um, a question I've always had is the number on the matchbook is old and faded. Is this a number that he wrote on a matchbook? Or is this a number that is printed on a matchbook? I don't know. Do they live okay. above a bar? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. It, I, sounds, I, it sounds like it's something that he wrote down. Right. So do you think was maybe this... as she was leaving, he she was like, listen, I'm leaving, I'm leaving with Ray. Uh, but here, here's my, 
here's my number in case you need to reach us and sob and find out how good we're doing. Right. Do you think it's that, so, Michael? I don't know how he got the number. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a big question about the song, but I think that's where it comes from. I think he, I think he wrote it down on a matchbook, which is weird. But well, it's, it's not weird. weird. Yeah. Because the 60s and, in the 60s and 70s, the matchbooks were basically like the contact lists of, of that time. Right. Every movie, there's somebody who has a number written on the, fr- on the inside of a matchbook. That's I guess because true. they were just always around and everybody was always in bars and restaurants. But basically, well, everybody I mean, was always smoking. Whenever people were so like, they just hey, had, there were an abundance of matches. Yeah, it's the, it's the 60s and 70s version of somebody saying, text me your number. That's what I was going to say. Because now you can say, I'll give you my number, you text me, and then yeah. I'll have your number. Back then, you had to literally write it on a little piece of paper. <laughs> and if you lost that piece of paper, you, you lost the fun. Like, I was in. It was just gone. That's the thing that's like insane to think about. Like It really does feel like the dark ages. Because it's like, I have this phone on a piece of paper. I lost that piece of paper. There's no way to ever discover like where this person is. Like what? Listen. Like it's just insane. And I mean, I understand. Well, we're going to talk about it, but like the operator is the human embodiment of Google, right? Because you needed someone to physically look stuff up for you. Yeah. Because yeah. you didn't have a computer algorithm to do it. But there's still like if you didn't have a starting place, you were that was it. <laughs> it was yeah. just like you were disconnected. There is uh, a song. Listen, there's an '80s song called "Billy, Don't You Lose That Number." Yeah. It's like basically about that. And that's the thing, like, because, yeah, that's right. Um, it's a good song, right? Yeah. Because uh, you, because you, like, your your whole life, like, if you lost that number, mm-hmm. right? Um, or I say, let's say you you call it and you go out with that person, and then you fall in love and you get married and you have a family and that's your whole life. If you lose that number. <laughs> you can't call them, and that's it, baby. That's like it. you'll never, you have no way of finding them. You'll nope. never see them again. <laughs> like nope. so, that's the thing. You can't, you can't stalk Phil Collins on Instagram and figure out where he is so you can give him a call. No, it's gone. He's gone. That's yeah. it. You'll never see him again. That's it. So, um, okay. So operator can help us this call. See, the number on the matchbook is old and faded. Um, but and she's living. Be- before we um, go on with that, there, there's. The the idea of the matchbook, like a faded number on a matchbook, he's had it for a long time. Like he wasn't writing it time. in pencil. There's right. there's such a scene set mm-hmm. with him looking at an old, probably crumpled up matchbook. It probably doesn't have any matches in it. Right. No. It's probably yeah, just, just the piece of cardboard. To, yeah. He's just and, holding on to the matchbook. Yeah. There's there's something so visual about those two lines. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I get, I guess the question too is like, is it really faded or is he just trying to like get the courage up right. to do this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, that. I guess it's possible. Like, one of the numbers is just smudged or whatever. Maybe it's Cause faded because he cried on it. Right. Or he's, you know, he's picked it up like, you know, 20 times to make this phone call and he, he's, uh, you know, He's fine. Now he's doing it again. Right. And he's and or he's like he just he has the number and he's just needs to run this by someone to be like, do you think this is a good idea? Should I call? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think so. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. And we're, and we're going to get to this. What's great is I, he's you know, like he's not calling to get back together with her as as we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah. He's calling for a specific reason. That's not the normal reason why this would be happening. This yeah. isn't 
he this isn't Tom Frost calling Martha. Right. But but let's <laughs> right. let's put let's put a pin on that in, in that for one second. Do, uh, no. I just want to say yeah, go um, ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you. No, you. No, I refuse. Right. At this point, now I refuse. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say. I was going to say. Um, <laughs> that... Do you think that Gladys, the operator, when he says the number on the matchbook is old and faded, do you think that she says, I don't know how many people I have to say this to a day, but yeah. matchbooks, get yourself an address book. Matchbooks do not hold up. That's not the purpose right. of a matchbook. <laughs> the, well, you're my again... fourth call today saying that you have right. a faded matchbook that you need a number off of. Right. Well, because again, the problem is that you're not going to carry around your address book with you, right? Everywhere you go. So somehow, some way, he got the number, and we can talk in a little bit maybe how he got this number. But somehow, some way, he got this number. He wrote it down on a matchbook, and you always tell yourself you're going to move it to the address book. Oh, sure. Right? But you never do. <laughs> <laughs> you never do. I mean, no, I like the put, other thing you that's- put the matchbook into the address book. Right, or you could tape oh, it in yeah. there. Yeah. Sure. Oh my god! I think everybody growing up there, <laughs> my mother I know had it, her address book. Yeah. Uh, it was like a peach color because it was the <laughs> early nineties. Is a peach sure. color uh, with a stripe on it, and she had like half of the numbers were in the actual address book, and then the rest was just random papers and pieces right. of cardboard <laughs> shoved into a book. That made right. no sense. Just, just it, it. Just take one evening while you're watching That's like, gonna say. A, a, a movie on Channel Eleven and sure. just write all that stuff in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couple Absolutely. of couple of uh, loose business cards. <laughs> yeah. You're watching a you're watching a rerun of Dallas, and you because you always <laughs> tell yourself, "I'm going to take some evening." And I'll go through it. I'll get everything organized. And you never do. You never do or it. The half, That's the thing. Yeah, or the half-assed approach is just you take whatever that piece of paper is and you just staple it to one of those note, so- note things at the end. You just right. staple yeah, exactly. it. You're like, well, I'm not going to put it in, but I'll staple <laughs> well, it. Now I'll never no. lose it. Oh, I'll staple. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and every I'll time, staple during Dallas. I'm every, just not writing anything down. Every time you go to, to make a phone call and you have to use the address book, you just, you, as yeah. soon as you open it, like, I got to organize this thing. <laughs> I can't find anything one day, here. one day. I mean, you know, I'm going to take a couple hours. I'm, I'm going to organize this book. Can I say right. this though? In fairness, yeah. I, I still do that in a way because I can't tell you how many repeat contacts I have in my phone where it's mm-hmm. like, I try to look up like my, my, you know, my aunt's number. And it's like, why are there like eight contacts for my one aunt she does she doesn't have even multiple lines it's just that Mm -hmm. you know every time she contacts me apparently it goes you know somewhere else one's for her email address one's for this number (laughs) one just says her name and there's no other information like iphone come on it just says it just says call operator and you're like i don't know that's not how it works anymore one just says says, uh look at look for your matchbook i I don't smoke (laughs) nobody hands out matchbooks anymore iphone what are you saying Wow, man, Siri, find me sense. the nearest matchbook. Um, if I can jump back real quick, Rachel, just for any young listeners uh, who might be listening and don't know that obviously President Bill Clinton um, did an executive order uh, around that time uh, when everything had to be either peach or teal. Yeah. Uh, those are the only colors that <laughs> were allowed right. in America. That's so right. That, that was later repealed. Yeah. Um, it was it went to the Supreme Court. It was a whole thing. Yeah. But, it was uh, the people yeah, no, versus for a while. Crayola. <laughs> It was the um the I believe it was the Golden Girl ordinance. 
I do. I just. I love every. I love every like six to ten years. Everyone's just like, we just discovered a new color. You're not gonna believe it. This color's the best. We're gonna use it for everything for the next two years until we're sick of it. Um, Have you guys seen teal? <laughs> so see the number on the matchbook is old and faded. She's living in L.A. with my best old ex friend Ray, a guy she said she knew well. And sometimes hated. Okay. Oof. I have my I have my second Oof. question. Okay. First of all, this Related. is one of the best lines in the history of music. Oh, yeah. Let's just say it's that. Great. Start with that. It's great. You know so much, but a, a, a question I've always had, along with is the number printed or he wrote it on the matchbook. Did he live in L.A. and move away, or did or were they somewhere and they moved? Uh, uh, the the ex girlfriend and Ray moved to L A, or did all three of them live in L A and Jim Croce has moved away from L A? So for some reason, I always thought that he lived somewhere else. They all knew each other in this different place. Let's call mm. it Philadelphia, just because sure. that's where he's from. Uh, I mean, if you want to make up a crazy name of a town that doesn't exist, know, sure. Let's just say Philadelphia, some <laughs> random place like Philadelphia. Uh, sure. And they moved to L A. Like maybe Ray moved to LA first and then she Ooh. moved to LA to be with Ray. Okay. Maybe. But the only reason why I say was and it this doesn't mean anything, but I would I would think that it would be something like she moved to LA. But him saying she's living in LA makes it sound like she's continuing to live in LA where I also used to live. <laughs> That's the only reason why I would think that that he had moved that that mm. Jim Croce had moved away, but I don't know. It just that's something that was. I, I was always wondering. had the impression that um, that she moved there with Ray. Right. Right. That yeah, yeah. like she's living in L.A. now. Like I feel like mm-hmm. that's the now is missing. Yeah. Right. It's as, as opposed yeah, yeah, yeah. to Josie, who's just on a vacation far away. <laughs> right. Sure. This is she's living in L.A. Yeah. Um, the best old ex friend Ray. So good. I still can't wrap my head around exactly how that should be written, but it's really great. <laughs> it my is. best the- old ex-friend. So it's his old f- ex-friend. His, his it, friend. It's his best friend. It, it should ex, be. His ex-best friend, Ray. Right. It, it works. Don't get me wrong. It works in the song. Yeah. But I'm saying in if you want to be technical, I think it should be my old ex best friend ray yes that's that's what it should be yeah i mean but i love that is like to an english teacher (laughs) they'd be like this this doesn't make sense what are you doing in a song it's brilliant oh it's great oh i'm not saying you know what would fit right there what my former best friend ray (laughs) (laughs) would fit perfectly but it it doesn't have that impact because no. the no. fact that it's like it's completely out of order, it doesn't really make sense. It just stands out in this song, and it's every emotion that he's having about this in his attempt to describe his relationship to Ray. Granted, Michael, right. but I gotta I gotta use this red pen, and I gotta find places to mark off. No, Mr. Croce, please say- see me after class. <laughs> I think I think these are the perfect. This is the perfect way to say oh, it's it. Great, but in my mind, yeah. I'm like best old ex. Ex friend Ray, I can't try to yeah. wrap my head around it. I get it, right? But my head is is like does not compute. 
Well, uh, I think I I like that. I think it's sort of showing his sort of discombobulated yeah headspace, right? And then also the other thing I like just now, I just uh, I don't know if this is true at all, but it om- it's almost like he's trying to throw in as many adjectives as he can to try to delay saying the word Ray. Oh yeah, maybe mm, yeah. right because he's just just thinking about it hurts so much. Yeah, that well, it's almost like he he has to like ramp up to it. I mean, listen, that final line of this verse where she. It's not a guy she said she sometimes hated. It's a guy right. she said she knew well. So she right. knew everything about him, but right. she hated him. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like, oh, she met him once and she hated him and they, they got together. Like they had clearly all known each other for a long time, spent a lot of time together. And now she's with Ray, who she always said that she didn't like. And she, she. Oh, ugh. that guy's coming. He's yeah. going to oh, be Ray there. Ray is coming. Ugh. Right, and this is, and I mean, to state the obvious, this is a double betrayal, right? Right. It's oh, yeah. one thing if she leaves him for some other guy, but he not only does he not have his girlfriend, he doesn't have his best friend anymore. They both yeah. stabbed him in the back. And the-, um, the brilliance of my best old ex-friend Ray is the line, not Ray himself, the, he, the fact that he throws in old, he's not his best friend that he's known for six months. Right. It's right. this. There is a history there. They're old friends. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. And he's almost yeah, reminding yeah, himself, like when he says ex friend, he's like ex ex. He's my ex friend. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, what uh, that I was going to say was the other thing that's nice about the number being old and faded on the matchbook is just it's been a while. Sure. Right. This didn't happen six months ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Who knows how long it's been? If it's been long enough. That the number can fade on the matchbook, right? Yeah. Then it's it's you know it's been years, and he's still he's still not over it. The other thing that I think that I love about these two lines is everything you need to know about Ray is in these two lines. Yeah. He's he's a good guy. Ray is a good guy. Mm-hmm. But you got to watch out for Ray. Ray Ray only cares about <laughs> one person. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's Ray. But like, I wonder, yeah. Like he's Ray was a lot of fun in high school, right? But he might steal your wife. Like he's he's a good friend, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like he'll show up to your birthday do, party, but he's not going to help you move. You know? Do, do you think? Yeah. Do you think that this last line? Do you think it's a um? matter of the lady doth protest too much me thinks the lady doth protest too much do you think he's like talking about ray and uh when they're together that she, he was talking about ray and she's like oh that guy can't stand him Ah, oh, he's the worst but in her head she's like oh my man i love him so never know. <laughs> uh- <laughs> i mean maybe yeah she tried to throw him off right maybe or but- i think the things that annoyed her about Ray she started to find endearing Mm. yeah yeah well I mean I was just gonna say just more from like Jim's point of view of just being like I mean she said she hated the guy yeah like I I, how is this happening it just just it's just even more of a shock right he's like she she didn't even like him and now like I don't understand what happened (laughs) well it's also I think it also makes him blame himself because 
he was if they're old best friends he's clearly the one who's bringing him around and right right to her protest to her being like oh this this guy again you know how much i hate him and then little by little they start falling for each other right and the guy that he brought around that she didn't want around has fallen in love with her yeah right yeah no exactly i mean it's his fault right or at least he's thinking that yeah um that he he you know it was his friend that he brought into this and that's and and you know again it's yeah. uh, and and it's not the so that's the other thing it's not just some random guy like and it's and it's so it's the double betrayal and also the like you know is this my fault as well like right. because when she was like i hate ray I should have been like, oh, I'm not going to hang out with Ray anymore. But <laughs> I kept hanging out with Ray and look what happened. So, And I figure at this point, Gladys, our operator, is saying, okay, so you've given me four lines of information right. that I cannot well, use yes. at all. Yes. Thank, you. So, Thank you. So that's what I wanted to say. Any, only the, anything only else you the tell third me about line them. is even remotely helpful yeah. in this. Yeah. So She's saying so, LA is a well, big country, the only place a, big, call. a big city. Right. There's a lot the of Ray's. place this call. Here, here's here's something he has not given her, okay? Well, he says they live in L.A., and she's living with a guy named Bray. Here's something she, he has not given her. A name? <laughs> he has not said her name. <laughs> so it's going to be a little hard to look yeah. look her up without having a name she to, says, to go She says, do you know, uh, okay, can I have Ray's last name? And Jim goes, right. you know what's funny? <laughs> I've known him for so long, I never thought to ask his last name. Can you yeah. just go with Ray and <laughs> L.A.? Just go with Ray. How long would that take? Go with uh, Ray uh, uh, Homewrecker, uh, care of Los Angeles County. Is, this, is any Does of this helping? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. And again, I'm sure the operator is trying to be sympathetic, but it's just got to be thinking like, this. none of this is helping me. I, I don't know how to, I can't type in, your ex-girlfriend who lives with Ray somewhere in LA. I need to know. I need to know specific details in order to look this number. I'm on break in five minutes. So I need to know whether this is the album cut album edit or the radio edit. Cause time's a ticking. We gotta go here. So look, literally Um, all I could do is move this wire from this part of the wall to that part of the wall. And you're not giving me any information to help me know which part of the wall I need to put this wire into. All I've got is a possible area code. Um, so then I like here it's there. It's the chorus begins and he says, but isn't that the way they say it goes? Right. So it's not, they say, isn't that the way it goes? It's like, it's broken up in the middle there, which is really nice, but isn't that the way they say it goes? Well, let's forget all that. I love that. He's like, Mm -hmm. He's getting wistful. <laughs> like yeah. he realizes he's giving he's giving too much information, uh, unrelated information to the operator. He's 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 starting because he's like he's thinking about her, he's thinking about Ray, and he knows he gets crazy. So he's like, let's forget all that. Let's I'm yeah. sorry, let's forget all that. And give me the number if you can find it. Now here's what I love. So I can call just to show them, uh, just to tell them I'm fine. And to show I've overcome the blow. I've learned to take it well, right? Let's start there. Mm. I love that he's not calling to get back with her. Right. Or to like beg her to take him back, right? He's calling to show them I'm fine. 
Yeah. Guys, look, I'm fine. It's good. It's like, going to be good. It's going to be good. Everything's <laughs> fine. I just, I, it's important to me mm-hmm. that you know that this didn't upset me. That I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, he that's says, Gladys, why he's calling. Gladys, can we role play real quick? You're going to play <laughs> my ex. I'm going to play myself and just ask how I'm doing. How are you doing? I'm fine. I've been fine. See, fine. I got okay. this. I got this. It's fine. It's fine. He's going to be right. sobbing as the phone rings. And then as soon as they pick up, he's like, hey, guys, right. how are you? I'm great. One of those deep <laughs> breaths. I'm good. How yeah. are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I got, you got this, Jim. You got it. Yeah. Uh, is there any way, Gladys, is there any way that you can call her and then when she answers the phone, I pretend like I forgot her name? Is that possible? <laughs> that, I, that I can be like, I'm sorry, and you are? <laughs> she'll be like, she'll be like well, you, called you called me. me? Oh, did I? Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I just I found realize. this number on a matchbook, and I was <laughs> updating my just, address book, so right. I just wanted to know who it was. Yeah, I was just watching Dallas, and I was updating my address <laughs> book, and I thought, let me just call this number and just see who it is because I forgot. I don't even remember who this is. I just, I just anymore. got a uh, <laughs> just like new Rolodex. Who this? Um. <laughs> Gladys, Gladys, when I get on, can you stay on the line and pre- pretend you're her best old ex friend, Rachel? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like pretend we're living together in Philadelphia. Yeah. Does that overstep some sort of line, Gladys? <laughs> Let me know. But it would help no, me I out. Am... Yeah. Yeah. No, every operator is given extensive improv training for just this <laughs> yeah. exact, for just this exact moment. Yep. Yes, and she turns around uh, to the other operator. She's like, "I'm going to need a location, <laughs> <laughs> an occupation." Uh, if I can, can hear you your ca- space work. I can hear your space right. work, and it's perfect, Gladys. <laughs> We're not even on the phone. I'm I'm holding a fake receiver to my ear right now. That's Gladys, use is. the space. Use the space, Gladys. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, um, all right, now let's do a group game. Um, so, <laughs> so I will say this. I'm fine. I, I, yeah. Well, I'll say this. Even the way that this is written, it it's he starts real strong. Give me the number if you can find it so I can call just to tell him I'm fine and to show. Yeah. Overcome the blow. Yep. I've learned to take it well. And it just yeah. goes, it goes downhill from there. Um, it just goes downhill from there. But it's like he's trying to psych himself up and then loses momentum as it goes, as he realizes right. how he actually feels. Right. So from we have four lines from let's forget all that to I only wish my words could just convince myself that it just wasn't real. But that's not the way it feels. Mm. Right. And he's still, no matter how many years it's been, the wound is still fresh. Yes. Yeah. He can't, he can't get over it. And yeah. just how, how wordy this chorus is and how, um, how he goes from emotion to emotion to emotion so quickly. It's almost like he's rambling this to the operator. Sure. Um, that, that she, she's on this journey with him. So I, I have a question. When he says, I only wish my words could just convince myself, which, by the way, is also brilliant. He's very good. Um, very good. That it just wasn't real. Mm-hmm. What is he trying to convince himself wasn't real? I think that she left him with Ray. The experience itself? The experience yeah. itself. Yeah. I think it's just that the experience, that this just, that it just wasn't real, that it didn't happen. Like, maybe she's going to, maybe... He's going to call them up and she's going to say, what are you talking about? I'm not living with Ray. I'm uh, only on vacation. I'll be back next week. 
these last four years. Yeah. <laughs> or could it be that the relationship wasn't real? That mm-hmm. his love for her wasn't real? Something to to be. to kind of take away the 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 pain of it. Right. I mean, I think I it's all those mean. things. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I, I think because, again, I think it, it goes back to the I'm just calling to show them I'm fine. Like, because if it if, if he's thinking, like, I guess it wasn't real to her. Right. Right. But because she left me for for Ray. Um, but I still can't get over. I still love her even after yeah. all. Yeah. This, you know. And so I, I, I think because I do love there is sort of a funny, like, macho thing of him being like, I just want to call and let them know they didn't beat me. Like right. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, yeah. I'm Jim Croce. I'm, right. I'm Jim Croce. <laughs> right. Like, don't worry about me. Right. You know. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Where he just, he's, he's just like wishing that, you know, or, or, or trying to convince himself that oh, I didn't really love her anyway. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah. it does. He, he knows that that's not true. It, that's not the way it feels. Operator, but could you help me place this call? Presumably, he has given the operator some more information. Sure. Uh, because she has found the number. <laughs> Unless she's just like, I don't know, here's some guy named Bray in L.A. You call this number. This is and a raised got, pizza I, in L.A. Stuff <laughs> Go for do. it. Absolutely. Uh, this is a Ray-Ban store. You call them and you ask them. Um, but he says, uh, operator, well, could you help me place this call? Because I can't read the number. I can't read the number that you just gave me. There's something in my eyes. Here's another great detail. You know what happens every time. I think about the love that I thought would save me. So this is not his first attempt to make this phone call. Yeah. Yeah. This happens every time. Um, And obviously there's not something in his eyes. I mean, he might be crying. But he just cannot bring himself to dial the number. So he's asking the operator. Oh, I think he's definitely crying. I think he's crying. No, no, I know that. But I'm saying, but I'm saying like, I think he can see the number <laughs> even oh, through yeah, the yeah, tears. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he physically can't force himself to dial the phone. So he's hoping maybe if the operator does that he can go through yeah, with Yeah, that he can muster if, up the, yeah, that he can muster right. up the courage. Um, you're right. I, I wonder if Gladys has spoken to him before. Oh. Uh, can you oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe she knows. She says she's got she's got a sticky note with this number on it. She's like, I've been through this before. Maybe that's why she doesn't need it. She's like, oh, the Ray guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like three. She's like three uh, cubicles down. Are you talking to that guy? Yeah. Here's the number. Here's the number he needs. He, yeah, this guy call, calls every week. Yeah, he calls up the next week. He says, you gave me this number. I called it up. It wasn't a guy named Ray. It was a it was a, a therapist. And she says, yes, yeah. I know Jim. <laughs> no, we know because I am not a therapist. I'm an operator. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't tell yeah. you how many people I have to say this to in a day. <laughs> <laughs> I am an operator in the story song universe. This is all I do all day. I'm not a therapist. Do I have a social worker's degree? Sure, but that's different. <laughs> sure, Sylvia, Absolutely. I'm going to put you on hold. I've got Jim Croce calling. 
we're gonna have to reschedule for uh 11 30 thank you so much our time is up oh um, see you at the wedding yeah. tom frost i'm afraid i'm afraid our time is up <laughs> um um leave the dime that's my payment um and the, and it's it you're right the i think it's important to know to establish that the, that some time has passed you know that this is not a fresh wound because of him talking about this last line i think about the love that i thought would save me so he is still in the place where he can't he's not able to dig himself out from the heartbreak of this uh, of the loss of this love well it's also that last line is connected to the line before when he says there's yeah. something in my eyes it happens every time i think about the love i thought would save me so yeah. he's constantly thinking about it and every time he does he cries yeah and every time i listen to jim croce i cry so <laughs> guess what <laughs> i wonder if the operator also has ray's number like on a post-it um not just for jim croce calling all the time like for all of the phone calls that she gets where like Ray's stolen a lot of a lot of wives. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Or maybe she maybe Ray has stolen her heart too and she calls Ray up to to warn him. <laughs> be like, "Listen, it's about 12:30 oh, on Thursday, so Jim's going to be here any minute." Oof. Hey Ray, just wanted to see how it's going. It's Gladys. Oh, this this Ray is a real villain. We're really <laughs> yeah. turning him into he's he's ruining Jim's whole life. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. I think Look. he's already ruined Jim's whole life. Well, I know, but, you know. Gladys placed a bunch of calls uh, for Ray, and yeah. she hated him at first. Oh, right, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, but little yeah, by yeah. little. Everybody, that's the way everyone feels at first. Yeah. But oh, Ray, you're so funny. You down. Mm -hmm. Just wear you down. Just wear you down. So, okay, so it happens every time. I think about the love that I thought would save me. So um, he's asking the operator to, to make the call. And he says again, but isn't that the way they say it goes? Let's forget all that. Give me the number if you can find it so I can call it to tell him I'm fine and show. I've overcome the blow. I've learned to take it well. Guys, it's fine. It's, it's, totally <laughs> it's good. Fine. It's good. Everything's fine. I'm like, I'm taking like macrame classes. Like everything's, <laughs> everything's good. Great. I'm, work, I'm working on me mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Like it's fine. I'm meditating every morning. I'm juicing. Like, things are going well. I'm juicing. Things are going well. <laughs> I'm juicing. Can you well. believe it? Me, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I've lost like 10 pounds. Not because I stopped eating. No, no, no. <laughs> because I'm taking care of myself. That's why. Definitely no one's concerned about. These abs the, aren't the rapid, from- My rapid- <laughs> These are abs aren't from deeply sobbing. <laughs> sure. No. No. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's his, his workout tape. It's just like, okay, now uh, bend over and we're going to sob for 30 straight minutes. <laughs> And really, it really works your core. Just like completely like losing it on the floor of the bathroom. Um, Check out my second tape, uh, Crafting, so that you can uh, forget about her. <laughs> the, I do want to say one thing. Uh, I do, like he says, and give me the number if you can find it. I wonder if Gladys is insulted. If I can find it, that's my job, man. Yeah. I'm good at my <laughs> yeah, job. Yeah. I'm an I do operator. one thing. I, I find numbers. It should be, and give right. me the number when you can find it. That's right. how I roll. I'm shift supervisor, so <laughs> I'm pretty good. 
Well, I mean, to be fair, he's also, again, if she found the number with the information that he gave her, <laughs> yeah. she's incredible. She, and she <laughs> did. He gave her a city. She did. A name yeah, yeah. and a personality type. Right. She <laughs> A city, not the name of the person he's looking for, but the name of someone else. Right. By, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the way, maybe and, she is a good improviser because he gave her a right. location a character <laughs> and a trait. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I've played this game before. But in some ways, but in some ways, it goes back to the like, the like I'm fine thing, because he says, "Operator, let's forget about this call. There's no one there I really wanted to talk to anyway." Yeah, yeah. Like, forget it. It's fine. Um, thank you for your time. You've been so much more than kind. Yeah, and she's like, "Yeah, I would say so." <laughs> I've been on the phone with you for like ten this minutes. This is not my buddy. job description to talk to you. Yeah, uh, uh, you've been so much more than kind. You can keep the dime. Um. And then he said, and he does the course again. So the you can keep the it. dime uh. is such a great kind of throwaway line, but there's yeah. there's such defeat in that. Yeah, right. Where it's just like it's it's just the forget about it. You could see him being defeated by his inability to make this call. Yeah. Right. Well, do you think? Do we think he's defeated by this? Or does he, or what I'm saying is, does he come to the realization of like, it's not worth it. Like, uh, I gotta move on. I gotta let this go. I, I like, I think he's going to be calling Gladys again. I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I Sorry. don't think, I don't think he's, I don't think he's worked through it in one therapist session with an operator. <laughs> I yeah. think, well, I think he's okay. trying and trying and trying and he hasn't gotten there yet. He right. hasn't gotten there yet. And I think the there's no one there I really wanted to talk to is not it's it's not real. It's not there's no one there I really mm-hmm. wanted to talk to. It's that it's it's him trying to convince himself yeah. that what he's feeling is not real and that what he actually right. is feeling is that there's nobody there I want to talk to anyway. I just wanted to have a conversation with an operator. Right? right. Um so I, I do, yeah, I don't think it's that he's worked it through. I think it's that he just hasn't, he yet again has not been able to, to, get, to get over this and to get through and get the courage up. Right. Um, I, you're probably right. But here's, Thank you. here's, what, I would, here's what I would say is, is possibly the alternate uh, interpretation. In that, again, because when he says there's no one that I wanted to talk to, he's, he's saying, I'm going to call just to show them I'm fine. I don't want them to think that they, that they broke me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so when he's like, there's no one there I want to talk to, he's just like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Why bother? Like who, yeah. what am I trying to prove? Like, just let it be. And, and, and I mean, obviously, you know, basically every time he makes this call, it, it would be the same thing. But I think in this, in this instance, the symbolism of you can keep the dime. And he says it in a very sort of like the way he says it is mm-hmm. like, you can keep the dime. Like, as almost putting a finality on it of like, you know what? I don't, I don't need, I don't want to make this call anymore. 
Like I'm done with this. So you can keep the dime because I don't need the dime to make this mm. call symbolic. That's a good point. I see. I see. It's almost like when you, if a call doesn't go through, you get you get the dime back. Right. And he's saying, no, this is this is the call. This is this is the call, or this is the last time. I'm I yeah, see. the call went oh, through. That's good. This isn't happening. Right. Oh, oh my god. Oh, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. Side note about the dime. How, how does that work? Yeah. Does she get I don't tipped know. a dime? Does it just that Ma Bell gets it? <laughs> no. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I don't think the operator gets how? to keep the dime. Who's then? Who? What is the dime going to? I, I'm very. Do we want to briefly talk about the whole operator thing? Is insane. I, I, I think it shows up on his phone bill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, but the phone but, bill. He's. I think he's at he, a payphone. He's at a payphone. He's yeah, at a pay. Yeah. Oh, oh, I will so say this. So he he's drives at a to her office. <laughs> gives her a dime. And hands her a dime. Yeah. <laughs> right. And she says, you're supposed yeah, yeah, to give yeah. it to the receptionist outside. Joan? Joan, <laughs> you just keep letting these people in. I never so, should have been an yeah. operator slash therapist in one office. It's like, Joan's got like 16 drawerfuls of dimes. <laughs> she's going she's gonna to start letting but, people go back. But there is, uh, I mean, there's, there's a couple of ways to go with this, right? There is the way that basically he just gives up the right. other is that he just needed somebody to talk to and talk right. this through with. Mm -hmm. And that is, like you said, that is the call that he wanted to make. Because when he says, thank you for your time, you've been so much oh. more than kind. That right. He knows he's not going to make this phone call, but he has to go through the steps to be able to get this off of his chest, you know, every once in a while so that he can right. stop sobbing continuously. Right. Um, well, I like that, that he says you can keep the dime because, and I don't think I fully made that connection, that he he wanted to make this phone call to make himself feel better. Right. And he did that. This phone call made him feel better. Yeah. So this Maybe. this was the call he wanted, even if it wasn't the way he imagined it. Right. Oh. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I like that. that. <sighs> yeah. Because I think, so again, good. yeah, what I like most about this song, I mean, I like many things about this song, but- Lyrically, again, I, I think it has more to do with the anger and in a lot of ways, the humiliation of what happened, mm. right? And less about, I mean, it's definitely about the heartbreak. I don't want to, I'm not saying that, but just, just him saying like, I want to call to show them that I'm fine is more of the like, the anger that it happened than the like him begging to, you know, begging her to take him back or anything like that. As, oppo as, as opposed to something like, Martha, where he's just calling to be like, hey, let's go get some coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's been 40 <laughs> years, but what if we rekindled this thing? Like, he, he doesn't have any illusions that that's going to happen, but he just wants the call to be like, again, be like, I'm fine. Guys, don't worry about me. I'm, yeah. old, old Jim's doing great. So, hmm. you know. And also, I yeah. think to keep up the illusion of the friendship, like, he and Ray were good friends. Right. He's Best like, look, nothing's, nothing's changed. We're, we're still good. Right. Right. Where this is this is great. I fully support <laughs> this. I'm totally yeah. This is fine. Doesn't mean we can't go out to the game every once in a while, Ray. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. We can. It's not. Like, we can definitely go see a game, like and sit near a railing, um, <laughs> and you know, and things happen sometimes. I like can those, bring, those you know stadiums are dangerous. I could bring us two beers, and and yours might right. be a little more foamy than mine, and it might. Sure, maybe it tastes a little bit almondy 
as if there's a poison <laughs> in it, but that's just what IPAs taste like sometimes. Ray, look, yeah. there are lots of things that can look like accidents. Um. <laughs> yeah, accidents happen. Uh, like you can't, you know, what are you gonna do? Um, all right, anything else on this song? No, it's just I mean, listen, folks, if you want to have yourselves a good cry, you put on a Jim Croce <laughs> album. Yeah. He's got peppy ones too. Uh he does. And yeah. he's got ones that you 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 know, shake your shoulders to. But if you want a good cry, oh Lord, put on a Jim Croce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's got he's got two modes. I mean, he's a great storyteller. Sometimes they're sort of funny, fun stories, and other times they're like this or I've got a name or something. Time like in that. a bottle. It's just gonna, yeah, really yeah. gonna punch you in the gut. Dan, you were talking in the beginning about like just sort of the the nice acoustic intro to the song. Mm-hmm. I um, you know, in preparation for this episode, I listened to this song like fifty times. Um, to be clear, I've definitely heard it a billion times, but I sure. like to listen to it beforehand. But um. In listening to it, I just like kept repeating it, repeating it, and to hear the end of the song back to back with the beginning of the song is a really interesting experience because um, it starts as a very s- the 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 emotion of the song mm-hmm. is mimicked in the music where it's a slow kind of acoustic intro, and then by the end, it does grow in intensity. And mm-hmm. it sort of follows his emotions through the song. Yeah. Right. Let's talk Expanding Universe. Expanded Universe. Um, I mean, I'll just, I'll just, well, I'll just throw this out here. Just get out of the way. Yes. Sylvia's mother, Martha, <laughs> operator. It's all the same operator. All the yeah. same. On the, on the call. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, in the, in the story song universe, this is a very common. Like most calls are like this. So yeah. she yeah. is not surprised. <laughs> yeah. No, um, she's prepared. I think. And we have one she... operator. Right. And her name yeah, is yeah. Gladys. And she her loves her Gladys. job. Yeah. Absolutely. What I was going to say was I think Gladys is sympathetic to Tom Frost and to Jim Croce because she just lets them ramble. Mm-hmm. Right. I think in Sylvia's mother. <laughs> Sylvia's mother is towards the end of the night. This is all the same day. Well, I just think Sylvia's mother, I just think she knows this guy's bad news. Like, and so that's why she's all business on that one. She's like, I need, I need 30 cents for the next three minutes or whatever the line is. Like, she's just like cutting this guy off. She's not letting him get away with anything. Maybe Martha happens first and then operator happens second where when Jim Croce's like, you could keep the dime. She's like, oh, I could be making money off of this. And then... (laughs) Sylvia's mother happens and um like she interrupts like six times like uh that'll be that'll be another 10 cents please <laughs> mm-hmm. pay up baby <laughs> yeah um well is it possible that they meet each other uh that Jim and his uh ex meet each other at a grocery store on Christmas Eve a few years down the line we don't know Ray's occupation but maybe oh. he's an architect oh oh yeah you know that I like that. Yeah. Could be. That's good. Could be. Yeah. I mean anything yeah. where there's like a split is clearly the same. No, but I mean I like that cuz I mean then Jim Jim seems like he's doing better. He's like that he yeah. that, that they're able to sit in the car and talk. There's yeah. there's closure. Yeah, yeah. I like that cuz then there's closure. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think uh, she hated Ray until one day she um, bumped into him on the street on the cheating side of town. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, well, we're here. Yeah, there's only right. one thing to do here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not called the frozen yogurt side of town. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's over there. <laughs> oh, the frozen yogurt district. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? Um, if now there we don't was know. We don't know the. Pro- we we were calling on Jim Croce, but we don't know the protagonist's name. No, we in don't. That song, right? So perhaps at one point did Ray say to himself, "I wish that I had Jesse's girl." <gasps> mm. Ooh, yes. Could that be? Yeah. Is that like maybe from, that's his from nickname. Ray's point of view? Right. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that could be from yeah, and then he he got her. He did. <laughs> he successfully got her. Way to go. Yeah. What if Ray uh, just moved around the country and he uh, he started in Boston, mm-hmm. moved to Denver, and finally ended up in L.A. and uh, called Jim Croce's girlfriend and was like, uh, please come to Boston slash Denver slash L.A. And she's like, I will go to L.A. Yeah, why oh. go to L.A.? He wore sure. her down. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. it. It's like, no, Ray, I hate you, but I'm in L.A. now. Okay. <laughs> I do like sun. Yeah. So, sure, yeah. I'll come out there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. Anything else on that? No. Um, all right. Then I think we can close the book on that, uh, on Operator. And uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the history of this song with Story Behind the Story. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Oh, great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles, the Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. All right, hey guys, welcome back. It's time for Story Behind the Story. How did this story come to be? But before we do that, mm-hmm. we have another five-star review. From Apple Podcasts Yay. to read. And this one is from, I'm going to guess, Med J. Sloan. Uh, it was, it's dated December 29th, uh, 2021. So mm-hmm. in that between Christmas and New Year's yeah. uh, period, uh, Med uh, left us a review. Med J. This Sloan. Is, I'm, I'm nice. assuming that's A very just- merry review. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say Med J. Sloan. I'm assuming that that's just the um, entity that is the hospital, the Sloan Kettering Hospital. <laughs> medical. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a medical joint. Sloan. Sloan Absolutely. Kettering. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 The ghost of the person who started that <laughs> is, is writing reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. But uh, whoever it is uh, said the headline is This Power Trio Rocks. Uh, and f- it's five stars. And they say, great chemistry between Dan, Rachel, and Michael, and a fun deep dive 
into some of my favorite songs. Aww. So, nice. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Med. Uh, and if you would like your review read on the show, it's very easy to do. Just go on Apple Podcast or uh, Good Pods or anywhere else you can leave uh, reviews. Mm-hmm. Leave us a five star review. Pod Chaser. Uh, That's a good place. Pod Chaser. And we'll, uh, we'll read it on the show. Uh, so thank you again to Med. Okay. Let's get into the story behind the story. Rachel. Yes. Walk us through. How did this song come to be? Operator by Jim Croce was released August 23rd, 1972. It was off of his debut album, You Don't Mess Around With Jim. And it reached, it did okay on the Billboard charts. It hit number 17 on the Hot 100 and number 11 on the Easy Listening, which it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Easy listening. It's very easy to listen yeah, to. Yeah, but it also hit number 14. I mean, it's easy to listen to between the tiers. Right. right. It's not easy to hear. Yeah. It's easy to listen <laughs> it's not, to. It's, exactly. but it's not easy to, hear to think about, sobbing. but yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it also hit number 14 on Cashbox Top 100 and number 11 on the Canadian charts. Um, so this- it's Go ahead. Hard to believe that- I was going to say, just back in the 70s, hard to believe there was an easy listening chart. Because <laughs> everything was um, easy listening. That's what I was gonna say. Nowadays, anything from the seventies <laughs> is easy listening. Yeah. So it's just weird. It's like Led They're Zeppelin like, is easy way, listening, just... uneasy listening. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Well, that week, um, bread had topped the um, heavy metal charts. So yes, yeah, yeah sure, sure. It was a weird time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, the story. Here's the story behind this song. We. I feel like we spoke about it a little bit in the first part. But so Jim Croce in the night in the mid 60s, he uh, wasn't really into being what uh, wasn't into authority. And there was a war going on. I don't know if you guys know this. So mm-hmm. he to sort of in hopes that he would not be sent over anywhere or I guess drafted. He decided to join the National Guard. And the story goes that he was stationed in Fort Dix, New Jersey, and he would see on. Uh, I guess every Friday or something, there would be a line waiting outside to use the outdoor phone on the base. And apparently some of the soldiers who were waiting on line were calling their wives or their girlfriends to sort of see if the Dear John letter that they just got was true. So. Oh. I know. That's sad. It's not Jim's story, but it's some, it's somebody's story. So, I mean, this is, this, 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 speaks a lot to how Jim Croce wrote his songs, which is he was very much an observer of the human character. And mm-hmm. so that's where he got a lot of his a lot of his songs. That's why so many of them tell stories, I think. You know? He sort of deals yeah. with he's he's dealing with the uh the society and the world around him in such a way that everything he sees is a story. The cashbox in describing the song said the lyrics, uh, uh, saying about the lyrics said, in James Taylor fashion, Jim Croce tries to track down his long lost lover with the help of the operator. So they already at that point were, since it it was even his debut album, sort of putting him in the same realm as James Taylor uh, in in that same world, in that story song, uh, songwriter world. I don't want to argue with Cashbox, Uh but uh, if he's trying to track down his old lover, he's doing a terrible job terrible job of it he's, well yeah uh, no. it seems like he's actively avoiding he's doing <laughs> talking to 
He's doing terrible. I'm just saying. Yeah, he's doing terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's he. He's trying his. He's trying his darndest. They don't say he succeeds. Right. Um, That's true. That's true. <laughs> another interesting thing about. I mean, I guess if I mean, I guess. Well, I was gonna say, I guess if you put me on the field as an NFL quarterback. Yeah. I was attempting to play quarterback. <laughs> I would not do a very good job at it. Right. But I sure I I sure would give it the old college try. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I mean, listen. As I as I threw the ball seven yards <laughs> as it, it it directly into the ground. Screeching and squealing. The time. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Oh, no. oh don't hit me. Oh no, please. <laughs> You're gonna have it. You're gonna have the ball. Just don't hurt me. Uh... Dan, seven yards. That's twenty-one feet. That's that's pretty far. Uh, well, I don't want to brag, but uh, I did win uh, the uh, flag football championship well, in eighth grade. So well done. Nice. Well done. Mm. Well done. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you mention it like six times a week, but that's all fine. the time. We get it. I mean, it's weird how organically it comes up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in two thousand, the Martin Guitar Company produced seventy-three guitars in honor of Jim Croce. And in the guitars, so 73 for a specific reason, but in these okay. guitars, each one had a 1973 dime inserted into the third fretboard mm. in honor of the song. And the line. You can you keep, keep, the the dime. Dime. keep the dime. Keep the dime. That's nice. cool. See, isn't that cool? I love it. That's very cool. In, uh, uh, in honor of Robert Preston, um, uh, Martin Guitar Company made uh, 76 trombones mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and put a dime in each one of those. Ruined the trombone. Yeah, it um, just rattles but they were around guitar company, inside it. So. It's terrible. Yeah. They didn't know what they were doing at the beginning. Yeah. They're <laughs> like, I guess this is how you make a trombone. <laughs> yeah. There also, there was a big, there was a big internal fight uh, at the company as well. Uh, and every week a memo would be released <laughs> uh, in which, well, in which they just said, guys, I understand we like to play, but. We need more than 76 trombones. Yeah. Uh, we have got to make more. This I don't know how many work. times I could say this. this we work. sold out immediately. Uh, <laughs> and there is a long waiting list. Last week. There's a big, lo- I mean, well, we, we're a national company, guys. So we need more than 76 <laughs> trombones. We need more than that. But. <laughs> so that's basically it about the song. It's pretty straightforward about where it came from and, uh, you know. It, but it is one of his more famous songs, without a doubt. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Jim Croce. Now, we did a, a Jim Croce song uh, or two before. We, we didn't talk much about Jim in, that, in the song previously, in the episode previously. So we'll give a little mm-hmm. more backstory about Jim Croce. So James Joseph Croce was born January 10th, 1943, uh, in the sur- suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and when he grew up, he attended Villanova University. And while performing, uh, while attending Villanova, he started to perform with the various singing groups around campus. And he also performed off campus as well with a band and with the with one of the with one of the groups. Uh, so that's where he started to get his get his legs in being in bands and so on and so forth. Was he in an a cappella mm-hmm. group? Uh, I'm gonna say yes. Well, the the. The groups were the Villanova Singers and the Villanova Spires. If the Villanova Spires isn't an acapella group, I don't know what is. <laughs> you know? So that it has all the... First of all, never has an acapella group had more than like, I don't know, two words in it. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, the Spires really sounds like 
it's the acapella group. I mean, I think being in an acapella group in 1963 is different than being in an acapella group, say, now or, you know. Like in the, in the 90s? 90s or so. yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, they, they were on the charts, like... You know, well, yeah. you, you could That's you could be true. in like a doo wop group, right? But right. Uh, little known yeah. fact about Jim Croce is he loved khakis and white sneakers. So sure, that's why well, he did it. Yeah, that's why he did it. He did it for the khakis <laughs> and sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so he started to get throwing uh, a cardigan. And you got yourself an acapella group. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, um, so like I said, he started to play around different groups, and he I was performing at one of these. Uh, he had been performing around and he wound up being asked to be a, a judge at one of these things uh, called a hoot nanny, which is where he met his wife, Ingrid. He met his mm. wife, Ingrid, at a hoot nanny, guys. A hoot nanny. <laughs> is there a specific definition of what a hoot nanny is? Uh, I, apparently. I always thought it was like, you know. Apparently, a hoot nanny is a. Uh, I mean, in this in this version, a hoot nanny mm-hmm. is a contest where a bunch of bands perform. So it's no. it's a hoot nanny. Uh, but I just love that that's where he met his wife. I mean, where'd you meet your wife? Oh, I met her at a hoot nanny. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Are yeah. you a fictional character in a 1940s play? I was gonna say I I thought a hoot nanny was required to take place in a barn. Yeah, that's why I'm know. asking. I don't know. I, and, People needed to be stomping and clapping their hands maybe, while someone played a fiddle. Maybe that's more a of a jamboree. Who knows? That's yeah, no, that right, is fair enough. I mean, I don't know. Fair is enough. a jamboree jamboree feels outside to me. Hoot nanny feels true. inside. Jamboree feels outside. Okay. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Exactly. Okay. Let's we're we're Guys. this is we're we're gonna add our our next uh section called Hoot <laughs> which, Nanny or Jamboree. <laughs> <laughs> which one which one has a bunch of people bidding on um picnic baskets? Mm. That's a jamboree, I think. Right? Okay. I think that's the jamboree. Well, it's, it's got the word jam in it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's where sense. it comes from. Yeah, yeah. So um anyway, Ingrid was a singer in the winning band. So she won the Hoot Nanny. They won the Hoot Nanny. It, it seems like they were smitten from the get-go and they were sort of inseparable. So he released his first album uh called Facets. In 1966, but it was a very small pressing and it was financed. It was also the year that he he got married to Ingrid. So they were together for three years. It was financed through a wedding gift from his parents. And the the stipulation was they would give him money as a wedding gift only if he used it to make an album, which sounds Mm. extremely supportive. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. The reason that they, you got to remember this is like East Coast people. The reason that they gave him the money to make the album was they were hoping that he would get it out of his system, it would fail, and he would just get a stable job. Okay. Oh, okay. Problem is, it didn't, it did very well, and every copy sold. Mm. So from that, uh, you know, Ingrid- what if they gave him the money and they were like, this is for an album? He's like, I'm booking a studio, and they're like, a wedding album. <laughs> right. Like this we is should to have pay been the photographer. Specific. We should have been more specific. Um, so, uh, so he did that as a solo, um, though many of the songs were written by he and Ingrid. Uh, after this, uh, he well, she won Ingrid, the hoot nanny. She you won know the that? hoot nanny. Well, yeah. after well, here's the thing. After this, he and Ingrid started performing as a duo. 
Ingrid and Jim mm-hmm. Croce. Uh, originally, they performed covers of other, of other songwriters, but they began writing their own music. They had already with Bassett's, and they started to uh, get gigs around Pennsylvania, and they got a gig at the famous Riddle Paddock Steakhouse in Lima, Pennsylvania. Uh, oh. That's not, I don't think it's famous, but that was just no. one of the things I found, <laughs> was that was one of the places they performed. So as they started to get more and more, uh, I guess, you know, recognition around Pennsylvania, they were encouraged to move in 68 to New York City, because if they can make it there, they can make it anywhere. And the there, song says. That's right. And there they recorded their first album <laughs> called uh, Jim and Ingrid Croce. Uh, on the album cover. So picture, close your eyes, picture in your head mm. what Jim Croce looks like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He didn't look like that for forever. He wasn't. He wouldn't right. always look like that. So on the album <laughs> cover, I've never seen this album cover before. Before doing the research for this, on the album cover, he is clean cut, and I, my mind couldn't wrap its head around it. I was like, I don't know who this is. Who are we, you? We should. We should stop for a moment. Okay. And just explain to the audience that if you don't know what Jim Croce looks like, mm-hmm. I mean, gotta be. Right, top three mustaches. Top three mustaches. <laughs> like it's up oh, there. Oh man. Oh man. I mean, man. it's up there. Like Mark. He's Mark there. Twain. It's like Tom Mark Selleck. Twain, Jim Croce, Tom <laughs> Selleck. I mean, it is such a solid mustache. It's incredible. Solid. It's so. I don't know how to explain this. It's so wide. It's so big, it's and so yet it's, great. it fits perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's so great. So to see him without it is just bizarre. And. Uh, you know, a lot of this, the photos you see of him are are later on in his life, like in the in the in like seventy three. Yeah. Uh, he's also got bigger hair. He's got seventies hair, but in sixty eight, mm-hmm. he's got clean cut short hair. So it's short hair, oh. no mustache, crochy. I'm like, who wow. is this child? <laughs> You're not the crochy, I know. Yeah. Um. So there was there was just a mustache yearning to break out. Yeah. You know, it was like, come <laughs> yeah. on, let me free. Yep. That's right. That's right. He said, "How um, how can I avoid eating cotton candy for forever? <laughs> I'm gonna grow the world's <laughs> finest mustache." So anyway, the uh, the music uh, their duo music is very folksy. It's very quaint music. It's it's really delightful. Definitely an album you could have on in the background. It's great. Um, but it, I mean, they didn't really go too, too far with it. And uh, they sort of lost interest in New York, in the New York lifestyle and the music business. And they returned to rural Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, rural Pennsylvania, sort of the outskirts of Philadelphia. And from there, Jim Croce kind of settled into a more, quote unquote, normal life. He had a lot of odd jobs. Uh he was still playing and making music, but he took odd jobs, driving trucks. Uh, it never said if he worked in a car wash, but I cannot imagine that he did not work in a car wash because he has a song called Working at the Car Wash Blues. <laughs> but these odd jobs really helped, uh, helped his music. It's, if you listen to his music, that is where a lot of it comes from. Working at Car Wash B- Blues... Um, Speedball Trucker is another one. There's a lot of uh there's a lot of his music comes from these kind of blue collar uh different jobs that he had. Uh he also There's unquestionably an authenticity to 
Oh, a hundred percent. The characters and the situations yeah. in, in, uh, the, in the yeah, these yeah. are not made up characters. All the people that he's and all the the situations that he's speaking of, you can tell are 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 real. They they feel very 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 real, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is great, and I think is what what is endearing about him and what makes his music stand the test of time. So, uh, he was. You know, but he was just getting by at this point. He was doing, you know, random jobs. He was, uh, I'm guessing, had to, something to do with pool cues, something to do. I think he was an <laughs> operator for a short period of time. No, <laughs> but. Uh, Made matchbooks. That's right. But in 1970, uh, he and Ingrid found out they were going to have a baby. Aw. Which made him decide to become a lawyer. No, it didn't. It made him more determined than ever to join the make it as a musician, which is interesting to me because you would think, oh, I'm having a baby. I'm doing this job, but also I write music on the side. I'll give up the music so that I can have more stability, Mm. but not him. He was like, no, I have to make it as a musician. That determination paid off because it led him to write some of his most famous songs in about 10 days. In that time, he wrote Time in a Bottle, Don't Mess Around with Jim. New York's not my home. Photographs and memories, and operator. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. That's yeah, in that's, ten days' time. That's incredible. I mean, I mean, he really. I mean, he. I mean, he's just an incredible songwriter. Uh, you know, but so I think he can sort of knock these puppies out but just to, <laughs> just to be able to have that uh, somebody said something I, I read something where he he had a photographic memory so it was easy for him to sort of uh to to remember all of these sort of nuances and and what he wanted to write about and all these things um obviously well he had photographs and memories he had that's true, that's See, true. i want to say one I thing i i i get it if if you if you don't want to if you don't want to be here it's fine, but to write a song called "New York's Not My Home," listen, Philly boy, <laughs> step off. Okay, well, he- if you don't want to be here, that's fine. You, you can go back to Philly. Okay, they but- play that song at every Mets Phillies game. Do you uh, do you know what's really funny about that? Is I yeah. listened to that song on repeat when I was completely homesick for New York when I first mm. went away to college. And I would just, every time it came up, I'd be like, New York is my home. New York is my home. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But the, the feeling behind it very much is about, you know, somebody feeling homesick. Right. Uh, well, I, I, I will say this in all seriousness. I mean, as a lifelong New Yorker, I will admit there are a million songs about how great New York is. So I am glad at least there's one on the other side. <laughs> Being like, eh, New York's not that great. I mean, it's not like it's not like the song is like there's rats and garbage and people on well, the streets. I'm just saying. But that's my song. Um, right. But and then I say, and it's the best place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so these songs uh, and more led to uh, a debut, his debut album with his collaborator and uh, the guitarist, uh, Maury Mulison. I think that's how you say Maury's name. I, I, I just don't know. Uh, originally, the idea, so he was connected to Maury with Maury through a producer. 
And the original idea was to have him be backing Maury. And as it went, I guess they just sort of switched places. And Maury sort hmm. of became the backing for uh, for Jim Croce. That being said, their, their musicality together and their, their instruments together really work well and build on and really make a wonderful, uh, you know, duo with each other. It's, mm. I can't imagine this music being as good as it is without uh, Maury Mulison. Uh, so in 1972, he signed with ABC Records and he released two albums sort of very closely together. You Don't Mess Around With Jim, which was his, his debut, and Life and Times. The singles from both of these albums received airplay and built on his success. And from there, he started to perform on TV with appearances on American Bandstand, The Tonight Show, and The Dick Cavett Show, because it's the early 70s. <laughs> you haven't made it <laughs> if you're not on The Dick Cavett Show in the 70s. It's true. Yeah. Um, that's, that's when John Lennon knew he'd finally made it. Yep. Yeah. When he was on. <laughs> that's right. That week of Dick Cavett. John Lennon was like, was like Yoko, <laughs> we're going to sit I'm, on that side one day. <laughs> If you're not sitting and there uh, across from Gloria Swanson for an hour, mm. uh, yeah. have you really made it? That's yeah. right. That's right. By the way, Dick Cavett, he's great. His delivery is very weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. He always but sounds he's great. He's always sounds like he's sort of suspicious of what the people are saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's fascinating, and I, he's great. He's one of the best. Uh, anyway, in, in you're in the so you're in the Beatles. Say? <laughs> mm. You're all right, uh, yeah. And you and you don't mess around with Jim. Mm. Your name is. We'll talk about it. This is. We'll be right this back. This is Janice Joplin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in the early '70s, he decided to move his family to San Diego. And at the same time, he and Mulison began touring a lot to promote these albums. And it's interesting because his success was growing at that time, right? Mm -hmm. But the Croches were still financially unstable because in order to make his first album with ABC, they had gotten an advance. And through yeah. the touring and through all the promotion and so on, he was still paying back the record label. So yeah. even... Though he was successful, they, there was never a time where he was sort of financially su successful. Guys, the music industry is evil. Yeah, really. Like, we just, it's crazy. It's insane. No. Yeah, I mean, and to say, like, yeah, you're getting an advance, it's like, just isn't that, like, how we make the music? Like, what, I mean, But why, does, why do you have to pay back in it? Advanced. I don't That's know. That's the part I don't understand. Why isn't it like credit and then like I, all the money you're making I know. from the album just goes towards that? You know what there, I mean? Like why would you ever need? I don't I understand don't how this works. There's something about it that just seemed a little bit off. Uh, that, you know, I mean, it's like it's tough. But it, he had made, I think it sounds like. Here's the like, thing. You make a record and then you get mm. two friends to make a record and each of them get two friends to make a record. That's right. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a record triangle. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's call it a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> this. Yeah, I was gonna say this is this is uh, Michael's uh, business. I have uh, 
I have a, a 10,000 pounds of vinyl in my basement that I can't move, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's fine. Um, so, so he was touring a lot. He was away from home a lot and he had a small child and, you know, he, f- for all accounts, like it seemed like he was a family man. Like he, he, he didn't seem like a crazy touring musician type, right? Like he was an every man. Yeah. So while on tour uh, in Europe in the summer of 1973, he began to tire of the touring life and kind of tire of the uh, music industry. And he was homesick. He was uh, didn't like being away from his family. And he had decided to take a break. That was it. At the end of the Life and Times tour, he was going to take a break from the music industry. And actually, he had apparently said that he was going to quit music. And this is something that you said earlier, Dan, he wanted to quit music so he could focus on writing stories and screenplays. Mm. So all that, when you said like, is he, did he act? I'm surprised he didn't act or anything. He wanted to go into that industry. So I find it really interesting, but you can tell that's, I mean, that's where his heart lies, right? Is telling stories. Right. And yeah, so yeah, sure. he, that's what he wanted to do. And he had kind of made the decision that he was going to, after this tour, go home to his family, quit the music business, even though he was kind of at the height of his career and his, his star was just starting to rise. Uh, but he was going to quit and focus on writing. And he got home safely and he had a very long life, and that's it. I don't want to talk <laughs> Everything anymore. worked out. Great. No, unfortunately, uh, uh, tragically, on September 20th, 1973, he and five others, in- including Maury Mulison, died in a plane crash after performing at Northwestern State, and he was 30 years old. So at the age wow. of 30, yeah. The story goes basically that the pilot was... Um, I guess had a heart condition and he had to run from the motel to the airport and something happened on takeoff and he wasn't able to lift out of and like lift out up into the air and he, they crashed into a tree and they went down. Um, It's one of the most tragic like stories in, in music. Um, I think just because of the timing and every of everything too. Just the fact that he was going to quit just as soon as I get off this tour, as soon as I'm done with this tour, that's it. Yeah. I'm done. It's, it's tragic. Tragic. Yeah. So um, this was also a day before his uh, <clears throat> single, I Got a Name, was going to be released. And great I song. got it. It's a great song. It's also his, uh, the name of his final album, I Got a Name. It reached number two in the charts. And ABC, talk about being the music Speaking industry. Of, I got a name, though. Have you ever yeah. heard um, Lena Horne did a cover of it? Uh-huh. And it's amazing. Really? She actually oh, did it on sure. The Muppet Show. That sounds amazing. Yeah. All right. And I want that version. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, that sounds incredible. I mean, the- it wasn't a dry, wasn't a dry felt eye in the house. No, there was not. <laughs> Everybody had to go into the dryer. <laughs> Everybody in. Uh, also, I got a name. The if you want to 
feel like you are taking a cross country trip through America, mm. put that song on in your car and drive somewhere where there's trees because that is its natural habitat. Like there's something about yeah. that song that makes you want to be driving in a car in nature. I don't know what yeah. it is. I don't know what it is. Anyway, so talking a little bit about the evil, the, the kind of the evils of the music industry. So Time in a Bottle, which is very much his most famous album, uh, most famous song, it was not released as a single originally. After his, after his death, ABC decided to release it as a single, sort of playing off of the fact that he wrote this song about how precious life is, and he died at the age of 30. Mm-hmm. It hit number mm-hmm. one in 1974 for two weeks, and it led to the album You Don't Mess Around With Jim, his debut album, becoming number one for five weeks in, uh, in 74. Uh, he posthumously received the award for favorite male vocalist for pop rock at the 1974 American Music Awards. And in 1990, he was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, rightfully so. And in their biography of him, they say his songs celebrate the life of the common man, songs that are as relevant today as the day he wrote them. And I could not agree more. That is true. Um, and that's, no. that's it. Ingrid opened a restaurant called Croce's at one point and went and then opened it again somewhere else or something. But uh, that's just a little side note. (laughs) But, but, you know, I mean, he's just a, I mean, he's a wonderful songwriter that could have done a lot more. And it's just a a shame that he was taken so soon. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, a big what if, because I think he probably... Yeah, like I said, he, he probably he he had a lot of potential, and obviously it was just getting started. Yeah, at that point, and mm-hmm. Lord knows what what it may have led to, um, in the in the future. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Stinks. Yeah, it stinks. Really, yeah. even in that short amount of time, one of the best songwriters of our of our time. Yeah, well, I think you know, and obviously you said, I mean, this you know they re released the singles, um. Uh, after his death, but I, I, you know, even if he had lived, I would not have been, I would not be surprised if it was a thing where those songs were sort of rediscovered and reappreciated. Oh yeah, later anyway. It- I just felt like maybe they were, you know, it, they, he just needed to kind of get going. Um, I mean, we even talked like with the we did Tom Petty right. last episode, and and American Girl was not a hit until you know later, sort of after he was already famous people went back and sort of rediscovered that song so i wouldn't be surprised if that had happened anyway because i mean yeah it's hard to like it, it's hard to think that like time in a bottle would have never <laughs> right seen the light <laughs> been of a day. popular song yeah, no way. In, in any universe yeah. whether he had lived or, or not well so. just yeah. if somebody but, like upon hearing that album was like like an executive hearing that was like this is more an album track it's so weird right yeah that's very weird wow um his uh and his music has been used a lot i mean these songs, Time in a Bottle is used a bunch for, you know, to, to get a dry eye, you know, to get not a dry eye in the house. I feel like I sure. Got a Name is played a lot in commercials and movies and that kind of stuff. Again, because it well, has that s- Americana feel. Yeah, I didn't want to derail you at a serious moment, but uh, that I, I just, in uh, the movie uh, Django Unchained, mm. uh, they're, they're traveling across the country in a montage and uh, when that starts uh, in the movie theater, th- that part starts, and then and then I got a name starts playing, and I was just like, 
Yep. Nailed it. This is Nailed it. <laughs> perfect song. Perfect song for this. Oh, I, ho- I hope there's uh, uh, long wide shots of mountains. Yep, there it is. <laughs> We've nailed it. Yep. It's exactly what it should That's be. Right. So. Uh, all right. Well, Rachel, thank you so much sure. for that, and thank you for bumming me out. Yeah. Um, My pleasure. We will take... We will take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the lesson we learned from this song with Lessons Learned. Check out the songs of the Story Song Podcast. Find the Story Song Podcast, the official playlist, and the Story Song Podcast, the official classic playlist on Spotify to stream all the great songs we review on the show. All right, we're back. It's time for lessons learned. What lesson did we learn from this song? Uh, Michael, let's start with you. What lesson did you learn from Operator? I learned that this week, maybe next week, but probably this week, I'm finally going to sit down, I'm going to watch Picket Fences, and I'm going to organize that phone book and that Rolodex. Uh, You got it. At least least by next week. At least by next week. Can I ask a question? Two, what's, two the weeks, real resolu- what's the real resolution here? You get a, your uh, phone book in order or you're finally watching Picket <laughs> Fences? <laughs> finally catching up on Picket Fences. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I check. You're going to watch know, it like on three episodes behind. You're going to watch it like, on your little, uh, you're going to watch it on your little like black and white TV <laughs> in the, uh, uh, under the counter in your kitchen. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be organizing my phone book. Of course. That's sure. And that do. Rolodex. Sure, sure, sure. I got to type up those Rolodex cards. <laughs> Guys, no, no, no spoilers. Don't tell me if they finished that fence. <laughs> I, assume, <laughs> I assume that's what the show's about. They're building a picket fence. Well, several of them. They're, it's all about picket fences. Nine, nine seasons on yep. NBC. <laughs> I'm only on I'm only on post three. I'm only on fence post three. <laughs> so I got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. Um, what I learned, and this is something that I, I actually had learned before, which is, um, you know, it actually is really good if you're having like a problem that you need to deal with, like call the operator. Like yeah. they are there for you to, to, to help you to, you know, talk through your feelings. If, you, if you're having an issue like this, feel free, even nowadays call the operator. Like I've been, you know, I've been stressed. Like the, there's a lot going on in the world. There's, we all know, you know, we've all been having troubles and I, and I call the operator and she says something really profound, which is, uh, you know, uh, the number you've dialed, uh, cannot be reached. And I felt like that really, <laughs> you felt, you it. know, I like, you felt it. like it was like, you know, it was like metaphorical, but if you like really think about sure. it, you're like, Oh, it like, can't be reached. Can it? Right. That's the thing. And it's like, am I calling the right number in my life? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, do I need to find a number? That can be reached. So it At really, the sound it of really the tone, does. The correct time will be mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So it really, it really does help. Uh, I do have to say that. Yeah. You know, they it, it really, it really can put you on the right track. So call the operator, call them up, and uh, maybe they can help you. Rachel, what did you learn? Uh, I learned that if you're in a relationship and your significant other starts saying how much they hate your best friend, maybe don't leave them alone together. Mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> keep an eye on it, you know, because uh, yeah. uh, first of all, everybody's best friend is named Ray and Ray, as we all know, grows on you. Mm-hmm. Sure. You don't want it to happen, but you cannot you, you, you can't resist it. Right. 
And exactly. so so keep an eye, just keep an eye on it, you know. If your girlfriend likes your friend, keep him away, because that's trouble. <laughs> if your girlfriend hates your friend, keep him away, because that's trouble. <laughs> the only time, the only time uh, that you can keep your friend around is if your girlfriend's just kind of pretty blase about it. Yeah, I can you want it to be tip yeah. water. If that's tip where she water. is with it, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, if we're going to a movies and I don't have to talk to him that much, it's fine. Right. But otherwise, I don't really want him around. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and just, uh, just know what Ray is like. You know, he's a good guy. Good guy. Right. But. Good guy. You know, Ray's only no. thinking of one person. That's Ray. Yep, yeah. That's right. We all know it. So. He's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's half on he's you. Fun. It's half on you when it happens. Because yeah. you know. You know. Ray is Ray. You know. Ray's never not going to be Ray. Like, right. is he fun? Yeah. Is he going to stab you in the back? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he is. Yeah. And you don't know. So. And that's the problem with Ray. <laughs> yeah. And that's why he's your ex-friend. Ex. My ex-friend. My ex-friend. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Hey. This has been the Story Song Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you could follow us on the socials, like Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, that would be awesome. And if you could leave us a five-star review, on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or Good Pods, wherever you can leave reviews for podcasts. Uh, we would certainly appreciate it. Leave us a five-star review any of those places, and we will read it on the show. We'll be back next episode with another great story song, so come on back. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Our theme music was written and performed by Jason Flowers. Find him on Twitter at Jason Flowers with a Z. Some of our bumper music was provided by Purple Planet Music. Our logo was designed by Dan Geva. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at story underscore song, and on Instagram at story song podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. The Story Song Podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Go to pantheonpodcasts.com. Thanks for listening. It's the Story Song All right, hey guys, welcome back. Nope, hold on. Okay. The exact moment I started talking, something came in my throat, and I have, and I almost choked. Hey guys, <laughs> um, welcome back. Okay, okay. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. 
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 